Happy Pride Month! It's Pride Month, everybody! It's Pride. It's that time of month that we celebrate the Stonewall Rebellion and ask ourselves the important questions like, how am I doing in my support of the community? What can I do better? And how awesome is it that I exist despite all of the anger, hate, and jealousy thrown against me to try to make that not be a thing. But this year, this year, it's been a little tarnished because reasons. And I kind of want to talk about that on today's episode of Project Shadow. Hello, everyone. How are you doing? My name is Charlie, and welcome back to the podcast, or welcome if this is your very first one. So, yeah, I am very loudly queer. <laughs> like, if anybody knows anything about me, that's usually the thing that it is first before, like, I'm a writer, I do things on the YouTube, I'm a podcaster. Yeah, usually the first thing that people realize about me is, Oh, dude, Charlie is super queer because I am. I'm non-binary. I am a genderqueer, gender fluid kind of a person who kind of wobbles back and forth between agender and demigirl, depending on so many factors that I really don't want to get into my psyche, who has been in a mm, relationship with my husband for 25, almost 25 years. Well, actually, we've been in a relationship for over 25 years, but we've almost been married for 25 years, and that seems impossible. It really does. But that that's not the point of today's podcast. Maybe in January, I'll talk more about spending a quarter century with one person, because mm, I have thoughts. But today, I want to talk about pride, because pride is important. So first, let's start with the naysayers. Why have gay pride? Why have queer pride? Why be proud? You're just gay. You're just lesbian. You're just bisexual. If they even acknowledge such a thing exists. You're just transgender. You're just ace, arrow, intersexed, non-binary, whatever the case may be, demi-romantic, demisexual. All of the... Why? It's just a thing about you. Why be proud? Like I said in the intro, because there's a lot of people that don't want us to be proud. There's a lot of people out there who want us to, frankly, die, to go away, to not be a problem, to pray the gay away, to find some way to be other than who and what we are. And that's what happened that fabled night in New York, when the police raided the Stonewall Inn and started doing garment checks. Think about this for a minute. Garment checks. You see, it was illegal not to be wearing three garments from your gender assigned at birth. And it was legal for cops to stop you and count the garments you were wearing, which oftentimes meant they needed to see your underwear. 
Because, you know, there's nothing gross about that. There's nothing problematic about cops seeing your underwear. No, no, it's just stripped down. It's fine. It's fine. It's not their kink or anything. But they had had enough and they decided to stand up to fight back. And because of those riots, and they were riots that were brought to you by a trans person. We don't know exactly which trans person it was, but the one thing that we can say for sure is that a trans person of color started the riot. There are three names that are often floated around for this, but the one thing that we can definitely say for sure is that a trans person of color brought you the Stonewall riots, brought you your rights, and the movement that is still fighting for you today. Oh, but... But now there's infighting. Isn't that wonderful? Let's not be coy about this. If you've been in any queer space online in the last week or so, you have heard the argument. Mm, Kink shouldn't be at Pride. Oh, those dirty, dirty drag queens, they shouldn't be at Pride. Think of the children. Now, I'm not going to go fully into the whole think of the children thing. A lot of people have given a lot of voice to how problematic that argument is. Think of the children is the favorite, favorite way for scoundrels to go after groups they don't like. The civil rights movement was fought because think of the poor children who will have to be around black people at school. I mean, just think of the children. Yeah, the children will be better off because they'll know more kinds of people. I thought about it. It's fine. Every time, every time a a group progresses and gains more civil rights, the first question that is always asked is, have you thought of the children? Have you thought about how this will impact the children? Well, yes, I have. As somebody who was formerly a child and who suffered for 40 years not knowing what transgender meant or that non-binary people were a thing, I suffered from extreme gender dysphoria my entire life and in fact intended to end that life and attempted to end that life on numerous occasions. So, yeah, I I, I do have a... (laughs) A horse in this race. I do. I I, I remember what it was like when those poisons of puberty started going through my body and I felt my body slowly betraying me. I didn't have the words for it. I didn't understand why everything felt wrong, why I was changing, why this monster was taking over my body and I didn't like it. Granted, I have those words now. But think of the children who might live if we allow them to actually access health care. Yes, I am thinking of the children. I actually am. Because if we can stop one child from going through the years of traumatic pain and self-loathing that I did, then yes, I want the children to have access to health care. That would be wonderful. That would be amazing. And yes, I do think it should be considered child abuse for a parent to stop a child from getting that health care. Because I know the pain and suffering I endured. And I would not wish that literally on my worst enemy. Though I do have moments of weakness 
when I think maybe, maybe some of these cis-normative, heteronormative people might benefit from one day, one day of pure dysphoria, pure, unadulterated, mainlined dysphoria so that they understand. Because, you know what, I, I really don't have time for this heteronormative nonsense, for this cis-normative nonsense. Yes, we do two prides. Most cities do two pride events, if not multiple more after that. I'm not talking about all the things that happen in the clubs. You have your daytime pride, which is much more family-friendly. And you have your nighttime pride, where (laughs) it gets a little bit risque. You know, kind of like the straights do with the Mardi Gras, where you have the earlier festivities that you can bring the family to, and the later ones where you probably shouldn't. And even the earlier ones, you know, there are a lot of beads being (laughs) purchased at the price of nudity that maybe you shouldn't let your kids be around if you're that kind of a person who finds the human body to be somehow filthy, disgusting, or harmful to see. But no, we shouldn't start banning people from pride because of some heteronormative nonsense. Should kink be at pride? Well, leather daddies are leather daddies, and they will always be leather daddies. And so if they want to show up in their leathers, then let them. Oh, somebody might see a bare-chested man in a leather vest and find them attractive. (laughs) Think of No, no, we're not playing this game. We're not playing this game. Look. The whole point of pride is for us to not be ashamed of who we are as a community. And giving in to this strange heteronormative, cisnormative, is a big part of the problem. On this let's be brutally honest talk that we're having, let's be brutally honest. Have I ever been embarrassed by some queer antics when I've been around my straight friends? Um, yeah. (laughs) But I don't care. I really don't care. Because it's not for me to police the actions of other people that are doing no harm. You see, that in a lot of ways is the core of what it means to have pride. If you're hurting no one, why does it matter? As long as consent is gained and you're not doing permanent physical harm, or mental harm for that matter, to someone, why does it matter? What's What business is it of anyone to tell us who we are, how we can dress, how we can present ourselves to the world, any of that? Now, look, I'm all down for there being limits. Yes, maybe we should uh, leave some of the more risque elements of these beautiful, beautiful costumeries at home during the pride celebrations, especially the earlier ones, because, well, we don't want obscenity laws to come in and close down the festivities for everyone. That's just general politeness. That has nothing to do with any of this other crap. And we can talk about exactly how 
appropriate any of that is because, you know, the male and female form are celebrated throughout the world in various ways where they don't have a problem with people seeing the body. Because that's really what this is about. It's about the exact opposite of pride. It's about shame. If you are ashamed that you share a community with Leatherneck Daddies, with people in the kink community, that's on you. It really is. It's not their fault that they are into kink and you're not. And they should not have to conform to your ideals and ideology, especially during a celebration of being who you are. And like I said, I've already conceded to the idea that we should maybe tone down some of the more risque elements. Like, I I don't think we should have giant schlongs flopping around down Main Street, at least while we have the obscenity laws in place that we do, because again, that would spoil the fun for everybody. But saying that, for example, people shouldn't wear their puppy masks in public, which, granted, is not really a thing that I'm into, I'm just... I'm not quite into that. I don't understand. It's not... I don't... I don't understand. But it's not for me to understand. Do you see what I'm saying? It doesn't matter what I feel about people who engage in said kink. Not my thing. Not my problem. Are they consensual? Do they enjoy it? Do they have pride about it? Okay, join the parade. Honestly, I think we should have more people in the parade. I think we should invite furries to the parade. Granted, I'm not a furry, though I have rather been accused of being adjacent to the furry community, and yeah, fair, but (laughs) I'm not a furry, I'm not a scaly, but I understand and have friends that are. So why not have them there? Why not have furry pride? And I'm sure some pride events do. Now, is this another moment of think of the children? Probably, because the people who want to invoke the kids are going to invoke the kids no matter what. But the sad, sad fact that a lot of people just refuse to get through their heads is that the kinds of people that hate us, hate us, regardless of how we dress, how we act, and how we present to the world. They just want us to go away. They want us to be gone. You see, we are a power play for them. We we are a symbol of decadence and degeneracy. And as such, no matter how nicely we dress or how heteronormative we live, they're not ever going to accept us because accepting us diminishes and dilutes their power. And they can't have that. Sweet summer child, if no one has ever explained this before, and granted I'm speaking more to the cis-heteronormative crowd out there that thinks that we can fit in enough to stop being hated, it's important that you realize that hatred is about power. It has nothing to do with fear. Now, you can stoke people's fear into hatred, but the only reason to do that is to seize power, to gain power, to have 
power. You see, the true drug of our times, of our civilization, and definitely of our culture, is power. Who has it? Who wants it? Who needs to get a fix? And the easiest route to power is through hatred. Because it's not all that hard to turn people against each other. It really isn't. You can just start pointing out small divisions and over time widen those divisions out and then you have a legislature that can't get anything done because they don't really care about the country that they govern, only the power that they want to maintain. Yeah, power is a drug, and hatred is a tool to power. Because as long as you can get your constituency to hate the other people, then you are entrenched. You see, it's hard to lose power when the opposition to you is evil. When the opposition to you is a threat to Western civilization. A threat to your children. What do you think they always say? Think of the children while clutching their pearls. Because if you are afraid that the opposition is going to harm your kids, oh, that triggers all of your parental instincts. Parental instincts now fully engaged, it's much easier to hate them and grant power to the people willing to fight them on your behalf. So you don't have to worry about them. Because the two things that go together more than anything are power and laziness. There are those that crave power and those that are too lazy to do anything about it. And so those who are lazy grant their voice, their vote, their money to those who crave the power and who are willing to do all manner of terrible things simply to accrue a mass and (laughs) revel in said power. And that is where we find ourselves today. In the previous episode, we talked about the hate industrial complex, how people make money off of you by making you angry all the time. This is the sister project to that, the brother project to that, the sibling project to that, the incestuous project to that. You see, not only do they get to make money off of you, but money is speech, according to our Supreme Court, so the more money you have, the more power you have, because the more speech you have. And the more speech you have, the more power you have, because that's a self-feeding cycle. Yeah! Isn't that amazing? Isn't that wonderful how that works? So, when you're actually hearing people speaking from a place of hatred, one of two things is happening. Either they are power-mad, power-hungry people who have realized that one of the most insidious means of control that is out there is to get people to control people. After all, Adolf Hitler said fear is the master. It is easier to get people to hate than to love. Thus, hate is more powerful than love. So we should encourage that. Were the Nazis actually anti-Semitic or was it just a means to power for them? Did they murder 13 million people out of hatred or power or both? Is there a difference? I would wager that there's not a difference. Hatred, indifference, power, lust, 
In the end, they amount to the same thing. Harm, death, and misery. And this is the problem that we are facing. The other thing that they may be suffering from is fear. Yes, if they are not one of those who are seeking the power, but a victim of their power-mad fantasies, then all they have is fear, and that fear will destroy them. In the scriptures that so many people ignore, especially those who claim special attachment to them, we read that true love casts out fear. Yet, fear is the organizing principle of those who oppose diversity. Diversity is not a bad word. Diversity is what makes everything possible. You see, when a whole bunch of people have the exact same thoughts and ideas, you can't innovate. You can't improve. You can't make things better. And I think I speak for the vast majority of people when I say we want things to get better. But did you see what I just did there? I did a trick. An illusion. I cast a spell on you, dear listener. A spell. An evil, wicked spell. I invoked common wisdom. Yes, I'm sure I could later go back and find a poll that would agree with me. Some simple poll. Do you like things getting better? And yes, I could probably find a, a poll that said... Yes, a majority of people like it when things get better and don't like it when things get worse, because, well, duh. But my phrasing there is the spell. My phrasing there is how the magic works. See, I didn't say such and such poll says that the majority of people like innovation. I said most people, because we are herd animals. We are collective animals. We like to work in groups. We like to be in groups. It's very important to us as a species. You see, we don't like standing out amongst the crowd. Instinctively, that is. There are some of us who relish in it, but that's neither here nor there. Instinctively, we like to be with the majority, so we play this fun game when we seek power, where we just say, well, everyone knows. The majority thinks. The polls may say this, but I speak for the silent majority. My response to that is generally I don't care, because... One, you're just trying to get me into some kind of a groupthink situation where I will just concede to whatever the point is that you think you're making and not actually evaluate it on its own merits because, well, that doesn't serve the cause that most of these people who are power-hungry want. Oh, did you see I did it again? I did it again. I said these people... You see, we obviously are not these people. Ah, little words, little words that come in that stoke fear 
that stoke concerns. See, we're not going to talk about trans women. No, we're going to talk about men in dresses. Because by maliciously misgendering people and casting a villain that, so far as I can tell, does not exist. Mainly because if there were actual cases of this happen- these things happening, they would be trumpeting them from the rooftops. We-, we would hear no end to them. The names of the perpetrators would be legendary. But we don't have names because it's a thing that doesn't happen. But we say, Do you want men in dresses coming into the little girl's room? Hmm. See, that sounds frightening. We, we say things like, don't you, have you never seen Porky's or any of those like teen movies where the boys are super, super horny? What would stop a boy who's super, super horny from pretending to be a girl so he could get into the girl's locker room? Oh, you mean other than the debilitating peer pressure that would come after them for pretending to be something that they aren't, or even worse, pretending to be a female, which our society has determined is very, very low on the social pecking order for reasons of power and manipulation of the society as a whole, (sighs) because they're not. Everyone's equal. We've talked about this a lot. No. No, fear is easily stoked, especially when we call on the power of the invisible crowd. So no, I don't think we should ban kink from pride. No, I don't think we should ban drag queens from pride. Because pride is a celebration of the things that make us distinct and different from heteronormative and cisnormative society. We have a culture of our own. We have interests of our own. And those should be celebrated. Shouted from the rooftops. Because regardless of how well we fit in, it's not going to make them like us more. Because that is not how any of this works. I I wish it was something different. But invoking this invisible crowd to attack the real one that actually shows up for pride is doing the work of our enemies for them. It is doing the work of those who want to seize power and maintain power through misogyny, homophobia, transphobia, and racism. And we should not be doing their work for them. They're successful enough on their own. They don't need our complicence. They don't need us to aid them in their attempted co-opting of the culture. And we definitely don't need to divide ourselves. Because divided, we fall. United, we stand. All of these invocations of the invisible crowd, all of these invocations of those who we should or should not be catering to, they're just that. They're distractions. And they're not helpful. And they're harmful to the very communities that they are pretending to defend. Because any time you capitulate to the forces of hatred 
and fear. Mistakenly believing that they actually are making good faith arguments. You've lost. Because they're not making good faith arguments. A majority of them are in it for the grift. They either want power or money. Last week we talked about the money. This week we're talking about the power. And for those few who are vocal and loud out of actual fear, only meeting queer people and understanding that we are people too is going to lessen that fear. It's hard. It's not easy. There's this wonderful line in the Simpsons episode that John Waters was on where he said, so all that we have to do is have every gay person in America save every straight person in America's lives. And then we'd have respect. And Homer very glibly says, yeah, that about sums it up. That's about right. Yeah. They have to get to know us as their brothers, their sisters, their siblings, their friends, their co-workers, their neighbors. And until they do, things are not going to get better for us or for them. I said it in the last episode, and I'm going to say it again here. They want us divided because that's how they get money. That's how they get power. And that's how they maintain those things. (sighs) Thank you so much for listening. (laughs) Hopefully next week we'll do something a bit, I don't, I'm not going to say cheerier, but lighter than the topics that we've talked about these last two weeks. Thank you so much for listening. If you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast and maybe go check out my YouTube channel. So you'll find them linked in the description box below. I also do music under the name of Project Shadow. I've got a couple tracks out. I hope you like them. I'm particularly proud of Have Mercy. And uh, yeah, thank you so much for your support, your love, and your kindness over the years. And remember... This nightmare hellscape is that we live in is not going to get better if we don't actively take a stand to make it better. So let's do that, shall we? Let's proclaim from the hilltops that we have to stop Asian hate. That we have to realize and make real that black lives matter, that black trans lives matter, and that trans identities are magic. And until next time, may you have the courage to ride your dreams into reality. And don't forget to have the fun. Bye.